0: Father, we thank you once again for your word. Thank you for this letter that we can read this morning. Speak to us, we pray, through these words of Paul, by the power of your Spirit. Father, be at work in us for your praise and for your glory. In Jesus' name, <coughs> Amen. The, <clears throat> the Peanuts cartoons, Lucy uh, comes in and demands that Linus change the TV channel. And he says, What makes you think you can walk in here uh, and take over? These five fingers, says Lucy. Individually, they're nothing. But when you curl them together, like this into a single unit they form a weapon that is terrible to behold which channel do you want says Linus turning away he looks at his fingers and says why can't you guys get organized like that it says something about the problem in Corinth in the church in Corinth they lack unity. There's division within the church. And that's the issue that Paul will address in these opening chapters of 1 Corinthians. You remember last week as we looked at those first three verses, uh, Paul reminded them who he is. He's an apostle of Christ. Whose they are. They are part of God's church. They belong to Him. And who they are, they are sanctified Saints in Christ. And so before before Paul makes this appeal to them for unity, he first gives thanks to God for them. Verse 4, I always thank my God for you because of his grace given you in Christ Jesus. Paul gives thanks to God for them for the grace that they have been given in Jesus. And it's the grace of salvation. This salvation grace which was established in the past, totally complete when they put their faith and their trust in Jesus. They're sanctified saints enriched in every way in Jesus. Verse 7 says they lack nothing. They have everything. They need to live the Christian life as they wait for that day when Jesus will return it's it reminded me of when I was in school and in woodwork class and the teacher would give us this uh, the equipment and he would say there you go there's everything you need to build a bird box or whatever it was the church has been given everything it needs to live the Christian life they lack nothing all speech and all knowledge is being given to them. In that time, you'd have these traveling speakers who would come in and out of uh, Corinth and they would speak with such eloquence and wisdom and knowledge. Uh, And the church loved to see that. And they were sort of idolizing them uh, in a way. But Paul is reminding them, is saying to them, Well, you as God's people, you yourselves have been given all speech and all knowledge. You've been given all wisdom. All the wisdom that you need in order to accomplish all that God wanted them to do. And they'd be given all gifts. They'd been so richly blessed in Jesus as a church. They'd been given every gift in order to keep them going as Christians until the day of Jesus. They had everything they needed. They have everything um, necessary to accomplish all that God wants them to do. And having been blessed so richly, they could become content with what they have. Forgetting that Jesus will one day come back. Forgetting where they were heading. And so you'll notice as that first part of our reading sort of split up with the present and a future. The future pointed to Jesus, that day when he would return. This isn't it, Paul has reminded him. Don't be comfortable and content with where you are. Because one day Jesus will come. Then you will have everything in its fullness. And the Lord will keep them firm to the end. Verse 8, He will also keep you firm to the end so that you will be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus. Now, as God's people, they have everything they need to live the Christian life. And God will keep them. He will sustain them. He will keep them strong right until the day that Jesus returns. And when that day comes, they will be blameless before the Lord. No charge will be laid against them. The word confirming in verse 6 is the same word used here for keeping firm in verse 8. And so when Jesus Returns, they will be confirmed as his people. Just as the testimony about Christ that Paul went and proclaimed to the Corinthians was confirmed in them with the many blessings that they had received in Jesus. And how can they be confident that they will remain firm and in Christ right to the very end? Because verse 9, God is faithful. He has called you into fellowship with his Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Our confidence is in the faithfulness of God. And great is thy faithfulness. God is faithful. That is our grounds. That is the grounds for the confidence that we can have. That we will make it to the end. The Lord is faithful. Not one of his promises will ever fail doesn't that bring comfort to us to know that and be reminded of that? We have everything that we need to live the Christian life. Let's be thankful for all that the Lord has blessed us with here at Trinity in Accrington. We lack nothing to do the work of the Lord in this town. We have everything we need. And also, don't be content with what we've been given. Don't be content in the sense of, this is it. Jesus will return. This is not our final destination. And don't be discouraged by the world around us. We must keep our eyes fixed on heaven, fixed on Jesus. And as we do that, that will give us the right perspective as we live. This Christian life but we don't get it in our English translations but the first word of verse 10 is but Paul has just said in verse 9 God is faithful who has called you into fellowship with his son Jesus Christ our Lord but but I appeal to you brothers and sisters Paul has just said, you've been brought into fellowship in Jesus. But I appeal to you because there are divisions within the church that shouldn't exist. And so Paul appeals to them. First of all, he he appeals to them that all of them agree with one another. Literally speak the same thing. Be in harmony with one another. It made me think of the barbershop quartets as they sing in perfect harmony. That is the plea from Paul. Be in harmony with one another. Speak the same thing. The second thing in verse 10 I appear to you that there be no divisions among you. That word divisions is schismata, it's where we get that English word schism to tear, to rip, to separate. Paul is appealing to them, that they don't tear apart the unity, the fellowship they have in the church in Corinth, and he appeals to them that they be perfectly united in mind and thought, that they be made one. It's the idea of restoring something to its right condition, mending something such as a a bone that's been broken or a jumper that has torn. On Thursday, I took Benjamin to cricket practice and they were in the nets and there were holes everywhere in the net. And so as they were bowling it and throwing it wild and hitting it, often the balls would go through the holes in the net. What it needed was somebody to go mend that net, to stitch it back together. So that they became uh, one. And that is the appeal for Paul. That is the plea that he's making. Be perfectly joined together in Jesus. It's an appeal for unity within the church. It's not a call to uniformity. There is space and scope for conversations and disagreements, but it's a call to be united on the essentials of the faith the essentials of the gospel Jesus and him as Lord united not divided that's the plea of Paul to his brothers and sisters in Corinth and you you read it and you can hear the tenderness the concern the compassion that he has my dear brothers and sisters I appeal to you as a brother in Christ It's a plea from Paul to mend the divisions within that church. And these divisions are mended by remembering who it is that they follow. Verse 11, my brothers and sisters, some from Chloe's household have informed me that there are quarrels among you. What I mean is this, one of you says I follow Paul, another I follow Apollos, another I follow Peter, still another I follow Christ. This is the problem. They're quarreling. They're following their own preference in leaders. And we can guess that there was no difference in what they taught. It was more the style of the leader. And so these different factions were taking place within the church of Corinth. Some followed Paul, maybe because he was the one who was there at the beginning as a church was born. Some followed Apollos, Apollos, maybe because of his skill in speech. They loved to listen to Apollos. Some followed Christ. They went beyond the human leaders, and it was Christ and him only. Yet all this led to quarreling and divisions within the church, and Paul is having none of it. He pleads with them, be united, mend these divisions within the church. And he has this series of three questions in verse 13, all with the same answer. Is Christ divided? Has Christ been parceled out? Is Christ divided up? Of course not. That's impossible. Christ is one and His church must be one. Was Paul crucified for you? Of course not. Of course Paul wasn't crucified for you. Don't insult the saving work of Christ. The cross of Christ is central to the Christian faith. No other could accomplish what Jesus did on the cross in his work of redemption. And that third question, were you baptized in the name of Paul? Or were you baptized into the name of Paul? What's the answer? Of course not. Of course you weren't. You were baptized into the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. You were baptized into Christ. It's not about who baptized you, but about whom you were baptized into. Paul did baptize some. But that wasn't why he was sent. He wasn't sent to baptize. He was sent to preach the gospel. To preach the good news of of Jesus. Not with wisdom and eloquence. Lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. Paul had a job to do. The other leaders mentioned had a job to do. I and others like me have a job to do. That job is to preach the good news of Jesus. To proclaim Christ and Him crucified. Not with wisdom and eloquence. Not with human wisdom or cleverness of speaking. Lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. The point Paul is making is it's not about personalities. It's about the message of the good news of Jesus. It's about following him. Remember from last week, the church is not a human club. It's not a social club. It's God's church and we belong to it in Jesus. Human leaders, as we'll see in a few weeks uh, in 1 Corinthians, are servants of the Lord. Paul is playing with them to remember who it is they follow and to be united in him. When Christ is at the center, there is unity. We have that reminder every week when we gather with the giant cross on the wall there. We're united in Jesus. He is to be at the center of all that we do as a church here. We can have disagreements, but they mustn't cause us to take our eyes off Jesus and cause divisions within the church. And so how can we fix our eyes on Christ? By spending time in his word, by spending time in prayer, by spending time with other believers as we encourage one another to live the Christian life. So let me ask, what one thing could you do this week? to help keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. We've been brought together in Christ through his death and his resurrection. We've been united together in him, people from all walks of life, all with different preferences. But what is the common thing? It is Jesus. We're united together in him. And so we must remember who it is that we follow and who it is we are. We follow Christ, our Savior and our King, and we must not take our eyes off Him. We mustn't dethrone Him in our lives or in the life of this church. A.W. Tozer um, gave this illustration. Has it ever occurred to you that 100 pianos all tuned to the same fork are automatically tuned to one another? They are of one accord by being tuned not to each other but to another standard to which each must individually bow. So 100 worshippers meeting together each one looking away to Christ are in heart nearer to each other than they could possibly be were they to become unity conscious and turn their eyes away from God to strive for closer fellowship. I think that's a brilliant illustration. When we fix our eyes on Jesus individually, we become united as a body in him. What a privilege it is to be part of God's people, to be united in Jesus. So remember who it is that we follow. Keep Christ at the center of all that we do. Keep your eyes fixed on him as we strive for that perfect unity in his church as we wait for his coming on the day of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the way that you've blessed us as your people here at Trinity. Thank you that you've given us all that we need to live as your people. We thank you that those blessings, those gifts, your grace comes from being in Christ. Thank you for the forgiveness that we have in him. Thank you for the new life that we have in him. Thank you that we are united together in him. Help us, Father, to keep our eyes fixed on him, to keep Christ at the centre of all that we do. To encourage one another and wait for that day when Christ will return. Help us by the power of your spirit to do that for your praise and for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.